0: Just send us an email use the contact button on our website retirementunlimited.com or just give our office a call our phone number is 951-684-7011 each week we discuss life's hard financial questions and what we try to do is address contemporary issues you know we have not only retirement update but also tactical asset management and we're trying to bring you news that is beneficial to you, Uh, things that I think are at the forefront of uh, everybody's life, depending Mm. upon where you're at, of course, with um, the subject matter we're talking about. But um, this week, Jeremiah, I want to talk about real estate. And we're starting to see, again, I'm getting calls from clients asking if they should borrow. Mm. And and there's, there's other news, I should say, talk show commentaries They're saying, oh yeah, you should borrow from your home and you got all this debt equity in your home. Your house has gone up a lot and you should borrow it out at current interest rates to buy investment properties. You you know, you're an attorney. Can you, can you kind of address to our listening audience? I mean, the people that are listening to us, what kind of jeopardy they're taking on potentially if they do that?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's an interesting world we're in at the moment. If You have house prices have soared over the last, you know, say two years, but even before that, they're going up. Um, And you have people who see this equity pool and some see it as this great nest egg for the future, which is a great view of that. Others see it as a cash bank and they want to get to this and do all these other things with it. Um, And and you said, you know, to take out a mortgage, I mean, for most people, you have a, what they call a purchase money mortgage when you bought your home and you are liable for that debt on your home. Um, But if for some reason you had to, um, you couldn't make payments and they had to foreclose on it. That initial mortgage you took, it, it's limited to the house. Right. So you can walk away from it and they can take your house. And that's it. That's the end of the day. There's no personal recourse. of the
0: all the, Also, the other thing, if you have credit card debt, let, let's say all of a sudden you had a really hard patch in your life, something happened to you and you had credit card debt and maybe one of the spouses got sick, lost a job, and you couldn't make the payments on all your outstanding, like your car loans, things like that. How does that affect your house? I mean, if you file bankruptcy.
1: Yeah. I mean, that all follows you, you know, it's with you and you, if you went into bankruptcy, you know, it's going to affect all your credit, all your, all your debts, but your house would be secure, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah. The, there's a homeowner's exemption, basically, the Homestead Act that you can protect the value of your home from a lot of that stuff, but that's you, just your home, you know, that that's not your investment property or your rental property. It's the one that you live in. Um, So credit card debt, similarly if people take on say a second mortgage or um, they do a HELOC or a line of credit. Those are not purchase money loans. And those similar to a credit card or student debt, those will follow you. Mm-hmm. So there's a number of people who have a, a primary mortgage on their on their house from when they bought it and they have some special protections. They don't realize that those that's a special protection that it's limited to that asset to your home. But if you refinance or if you take on a, a second mortgage or a HELOC, those will those can follow you. You know, those are not limited to just that property. And so it, it's interesting when people in this situation, they have, I have a lot of equity sitting in this house. I want to take it out. The first thing I always talk to people on the financial side is when you take out that equity, you're going to have to start paying it back. You know, right. your 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 normal carrying costs of your mortgage go up. If you take and you're out probably
0: doing it in the form of a second trustee if you're not refinancing and doing a cash out. So yep. you're paying higher interest on that that second or that that HELOC. Yeah, that HELOC stands for a home equity line of credit. By the way, yeah.
1: Yeah. A second mortgage or a home equity line of credit. You, I mean, current rates, I'm not sure what they are, but 7% maybe. Yeah. For, you know, if, for HELOCs probably. You know, it's, it's a bit higher than what your normal mortgage would be. And so you, so you use that money and you, you do something else with it. Well, every month you're going to have to pay at least the interest on those, those seconds or the HELOCs. It's generally how they work. But now you, you in essence, you've tied those assets together that if you can't afford the, the, the say the rental property or whatever else you just purchased, if you can't afford that payment, and you decide know, it, to default, well, if you took money out of the other one, it, it, it'll tie back if you can't afford that one as well. So there's, there's a, a... I mean, you could potentially lose
0: your primary residence because of choices and decisions that you made uh, that, in
1: essence, are greed-based. Greed yeah, greed, or in, in, in a, to put a, a nicer code on it, you know, development-based. Someone says, right. oh, I see an opportunity. Now is the time. I got to strike while the iron's hot. I got to use this asset. I mean, there's there's a, a whole school of thought of people out there that say you should never pay off your mortgage. Right. You know, uh, you know, Dave Ramsey and folks like that would say, yes, you know, do what you can to pay off your mortgage. To live debt free is such a wonderful place to be. But there's number no other commentators that would say, well, now you just have this pool of you know maybe three hundred thousand dollars sitting in your house if you've paid off the mortgage that you need to get that to work. You know, you need to take off take out some debt and put that money to work. And and part of that you know is trying to be strategic to say. If, if the money is used elsewhere, you know, to buy other real estate or other things, you can make more interest returns. You're able to reduce uh, your taxes by mortgage interest. There's limits on that, especially in California. I think it's yeah. 10 grand, I think is what they've limited that to.
0: Yeah, I think uh, there is. Oh
1: No, sorry. It's, it's the interest on a certain amount of house value. That's right. how that one works. Um, you know, there, there's a, a limit there. You only deduct so much, but it's useful to have a deduction and it's useful to have your money working, you know, in other real estate. But the, the risk profile is kind of what we're talking about today. The risk profile goes up dramatically uh, when you're not just using your house as a house, right. a place to live and shelter your family, but you begin to use that house as this financial asset. And what I struggle with with a lot of uh, clients and when we have these conversations is for a lot of folks, especially early in life, their house is their biggest asset. That's, that's the biggest purchase they'll ever make. And it's the biggest, yeah. I mean, obviously everybody wants to own a home if they can. And then to have it, you know, quote unquote, just sitting there doing nothing is hard for folks. I mean, we talk about what do you, what do you do with excess funds? Um, what do you, what should you be doing with your savings? And one of the things that comes up a lot is people in their thirties, you know, saving for retirement is such a wonderful idea at that point, you know, cause you have all this time ahead of you. However, uh, between 30 years old and retirement, you have a lot of expenses. Um, probably want to buy a home. Probably want to take the kids to Disneyland. Probably want to put the kids through college. Probably want to go on vacation. Might have to care for parents or siblings. I, you know,
0: and, and I'm I'm the curmudgeon where I sit there and I take the gross income and I set aside money for taxes. I set aside money for your household budget. I set aside money for all these other things like vacation, education, and I get down to a minus. You know, mm-hmm. for most most households just starting out. And if they have school debt loan, Mm -hmm. you start subtracting that. And so, you know, I look at it from the standpoint, you have one vehicle typically that you can put money into to to create long-term savings. And that is like a 401k or Mm -hmm. an IRA or something like that. But for somebody who's 30 years of age, that might might not
1: seem very satisfying. Yeah. It It doesn't seem a whole lot of fun. (laughs) Because it doesn't get me a house. That's right. You're looking down the road and say that that money will be great when I'm 65. And with often with clients, it's not a, an either or discussion. It turns into a, a both and discussion. You know, they should be retiring, contributing to retirement, but they should also be setting aside funds for those more immediate goals. But, but it's difficult. You know, how do you, right. how do you, a lot of people early on in their careers, they're making, start making good money. They're paying more taxes than they've ever paid, but house prices, especially recently are higher than they've ever been. Right. And so they're looking at taking on these, these these debts. But, but I think the, the, the biggest thing I kind of want to communicate as we're trying to think through this conversation is just the, the risk levels of debt. you know if, if you have no debt, no credit cards, no house debt, no car debt, and you have a gap in your um, career. You're, you're laid off or you have to leave your job for two months. you know your burn rate, you know the, the food you have to eat, the thing the, the utilities you have to pay are fairly low. But if you have a large mortgage, student loans, um, a car loan or car payments, and you're out of work for you know a couple of months, that, is a, that can be a massive amount of money. So yeah. the risk levels with debt, um, that, that's really where it compounds. It.
0: Yeah, this is going to be a moment in time when people look back five, 10 years from now and say, remember when. Mm. And I think that uh, although we're not predicting that we're heading into any kind of recession, interest rates are rising. And yeah. Interest rates are a big factor. I mean, we ought to be thankful we're in the United States, the average credit card interest rate in Brazil is over 200%. I mean, I mm. it's unfathomable to me how you could possibly even manage that. Right. Um, so in the United States, we have interest rate debt, but still it's over 20% in most uh, prevailing balances. So I look at credit cards and they, they're they charging upwards of 30% on unpaid balances. That That is a really hard leap. So, I mean, obviously debt management is
1: really critical. Yeah. Yeah. And and to get behind on debt in in our country, I mean, other countries as well, but in our country, it it can be such a difficult hole to to climb out of, especially if if you have to use credit cards, you rely on credit cards for something, and then you're not able to make that next payment. And you have this, this interest that that flows on it. You said 20, 20%, 30% Mm -hmm. in in the U S. It, it's a hard hold to get out of. You get
0: to the point where the minimum payment doesn't even dent the right. principal balance right. it's getting bigger. And, and you get to the point where it is, a, it's a, is a downturn that is just horrible. I mean, it, 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 it's a spiral that people go through and it's yeah. hard to get out of it. And unfortunately, you know, the some case, some people are only going to get out of it through bankruptcy. Yeah.
1: Well, and one, I guess one statistic to throw out there, you know, in our country, 39% of Americans could not afford a $1,000 emergency. That's a big deal. It's a big deal. And that means if there was an emergency, your tires blow out, you know, whatever it might be a medical bill that you have to swipe a credit card. And when you swipe a credit card, it's not just all paid off next month. You can't pay it off next month because your budget is that tight. And so the next month you pay maybe some of it, but you're going to hit, hit, hit with interest. And it is just this difficult spiral. And there's so many tragic stories of people with medical bills Mm -hmm. that that's what they were doing great until they got sick and the medical bills just spiraled. Um, so we talk a lot about with, with debt to have a buffer, have that cushion, you know, they call it an emergency fund for a lot of folks. You know, we like people to have between three and six months of savings, which when you first start, yeah, that seems like a lot, you know, but, but you need it for emergencies, right. but just getting a thousand dollars in a savings account for emergencies, that, that, that's step one, you know, that's a huge benefit. Yeah, and,
0: and for somebody who is 22, 25 years of age, we understand that that's, that's a big deal. But for somebody who is 55 to 65 years of age, they should have adequate money. And I'm, we're talking about months of monies and savings and liquid assets because life can change on you at that, that point.
1: Yep. And at that point, to be able to earn money or to be able to access in these 401ks or other things, some of these major assets, they, they take time to access and they're not tax efficient. So stay tuned for our, our next part of this discussion. We're going to keep talking about debt.
2: Eight three seven one,
0: or visit me, Randy Barkley, at retirementunlimited.com. Advisory services
2: offered through Tricord Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor, clearing through TD Ameritrade Member FINRA SIPC. MSRB AM five ninety. The answer.
0: Welcome back, uh, Jeremiah and I are just going to continue this conversation about housing and debt. And um, it, again, you know, I think the age factor is a big, big part of this. If you're, if you're retired. Uh, Maybe in most cases you own your home or you have it mostly paid off. You have a different perspective from somebody who is just starting out. Maybe they got out of college, maybe their early thirties, late twenties, trying to get into a home. And it's, it's a hard, it's a, it's a different perspective.
1: Yeah. Our, our community has changed. I mean, people who have homes have gotten to ride that, that um, crescendo, if you will, ride that wave upwards. And for them to swap homes and move is reasonable. Because they got the equity to do it. They got the equity that grew in their previous home and then to, to roll it over. But for folks who are new to this area or new to, to buying a home, it's very difficult. I mean, I, I think of you know people out in West LA, most of the people I know that have lived out there, the, the idea that they're going to buy a home someday when they're you know young, early professionals, that they didn't have an expectation of buying a home. They expected to try and rent someplace right. and eventually either move to a different region or just remain renters. Um, and that that's been a different expectation here in the inland region, you know, in Mm -hmm. Riverside and, um, these different cities out here, a lot of people come out here expecting to own a home and work towards that. And it's becoming uh, more and more difficult for first time home buyers. One, there's the competition, which is difficult, but that'll eventually will, will fade, but the prices may remain, you know, to get into a starter home. Maybe, you know, 600000 yeah,
0: Because the demand, I mean, if you look at a house price in 2019, the average price was a little over $400,000. The average price right now is bridging close to 675000 Wow. That's the average. But if you look at the demand, I mean, these are factors that we look at as we're talking to people all the time about macroeconomics. And the demand for housing is unfulfilled. Mm-hmm. I mean, builders are selling everything they're building. Yep.
1: And uh, and having a hard time keeping up. It's not just the 2020. It's not right. just that we had a gap um, because people couldn't build for the last few years, and now they're catching up. You know, looking at a longer term from you know 2010 to 2022, so that's a little bit over a decade. There's about 1.1 million housing units kind of built in our inland region, or sorry, in California as the whole state. 1.1 million housing units. But with that, we had 3.1 million new workers into our state. Now, those aren't one-for-one ratios, right. you know, but it's just saying, in general, we have had more workers you know, either you know, coming of age and starting to work or moving into our state. Than we've and had and was
0: more of it. a shift of homeowners desiring a home coming into the Inland Empire versus other surrounding other counties. Prices, yeah.
1: And with that, California, this is all of California, but prices have gone up 102% over that, slightly over a decade time. Will they compare that to a number of other Um, Communities, a number of other states, and it's it's a very different picture. It is um, of of how their housing is kept up with their employment.
0: Yeah, but you go back to the Midwest, um, you know, through from Michigan, from North Dakota, South Dakota, down through Nebraska, and down those areas, it is a different story, isn't it?
1: Yeah. So I mean, even some of these. Let's see. Let's pull out um, New Mexico. You know, their the ratio of their housing increase is forty two percent. You know, we're one hundred two percent. They're forty two percent, and they probably started from a lower base. Yeah, and their numbers are drastically. Different as far as you know how many people came in, how many people go, how many housing units were built, and how many um, new job workers there's been. So let's we'll jump to Georgia. That's a good e- example. They had a little bit over half a million permits uh, for for new housing, and there's 800 or just roughly 900 thousand more jobs. So yeah. Their ratio is a lot closer than ours. I mean, with that, their housing prices have gone up, but you know, for Georgia, they're 71. percent um, So I it, mean, we talked last
0: week about the impact on Riverside. But generally speaking, the number of people, you know, I always hear, I mean, we always hear people are leaving California. Well, they are, but we also getting more people moving in than are leaving. Right. Yeah,
1: And especially this inland region, you know, people yeah. that are leaving Orange County, San Diego County, LA County, some of them are going elsewhere, but a number of them are coming here. Yeah. Um, it's interesting as we talk about kind of this housing prices, you know, a question we get, or we talk about is, is, is it a time to buy? Is it a time to sell? Like our, our housing price is too high. And uh, you know, we don't know the future, you know, it's, it's interesting to see where they're at, but anecdotally, uh, you know, Lake Arrowhead is, is close where we're at here and real estate's been, been just been accelerating hot. up there. Yeah. And their dynamics is they have people doing um, second homes. So also people, Airbnbs up there, lot, Airbnb's, yeah, kind of investments, stuff. second homes, people can afford it. People who in the pandemic wanted to get out of wherever they were and say, let's live in the mountains. We can work from anywhere or
0: just get a second home.
1: Yeah. Or just have a, Yeah, yeah the they majority it was, of it. Second, get homes, a
0: small yeah. cabin or cheap or whatever. Yeah. And have a weekend place to get away from the heat in the summertime or whatever. Yeah.
1: So for the last two years, it's been all cash offers. It's been, you know, significantly above asking prices. and It's just been increasing, increasing. Well, talking with some realtor friends up there recently, they said in the last two weeks or so, it almost like a, a switch got flipped and, you know, they're no longer getting instantaneous offers. They're no longer getting offers consistently over asking price. Now they're starting to be a little bit under. And so whether that means, you know, it's just the interest rates who change, by, I feel like it's a good litmus test because it's, it's second homes, it's people who couldn't afford it. And, but as the interest rates change and the market gets so high, it, it's starting to cool slightly. And I don't see that region you know, falling. I don't see our region falling in home prices but the, the, the pressure, the upward pressure seems to be coming off very quickly.
0: I mean, the, the aspect of having offers substantially greater than what you're selling the house for, what you're marketing the house for may, have, may be coming to an end. Yep. You know, uh, we got a report from uh, a, a Pimco bond manager, which is a huge manager on Newport beach. He said, I'm selling, he says, taking this home and he's selling it, it. was a it was newsworthy commentary on his part. And, there's a also in the the press enterprise this last weekend it is an article called, you know, there's a, a guy wrote and said that Southern California home prices are seven percent too high. And again, you have to be careful how you relate that to, you know, Orange in LA County versus Riverside in San Bernardino County. But still the conversation is it's leaning to the high side, it's not leaning to the low side.
1: Yep. And, and with interest rates changing, some of that upward pressure to say right. prices is gonna keep going and going. Yeah, that's going to slow it down you know, as interest rates go up. So, you know, for clients that are considering, you know, should I buy now? I, I, caution definitely. I would. People saying, should I take out a second mortgage? Should I take out something on my house to get some of this equity to use it for either an investment or another property? Man, it's a good moment for caution. Yeah. You know, to really stress test this that if if prices stop going up or even come down, what does that look like for your financial and position? And remember real estate
0: has three sets of values, and you can determine the value in each one of those. First of all, you have a replacement cost value. What does it cost to rebuild the house that you're looking at? Uh, There is an income value. In other Mm -hmm. words, how much income would that property get? And then, of course, there's market value, which is the one that everybody goes to as far as the sites You know, Redfin and Zillow, that tells you the market value. But if you're going to buy something, it makes prudent sense to be able to determine what's the replacement cost. That's why 2008, 2009 was such a, particularly 2010 it was such a critical moment for purchasing because you could buy property for below replacement cost. Mm. And so whenever you can buy something, a tangible item like real estate, a uh, hard asset for what it, it you're buying is substantially less than what it costs to replace it. Mm. For you not to not to do that, you believe that the, the economy is just going to continue to collapse. It's just yeah. going to continue to erode. But for those people that said, no, the economy is at a low point, but this is a great point of entry, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. And we're, I, mean, I don't know how far we are from that. <laughs> yeah, you know, we are either. We're a ways from that. If, if I, I hopefully the, a long ways away from that. Yeah. The cost to build a home and the cost to create it. I and mean, those costs have been going up, but hopefully they'll come back down with you know, supply chains working right. themselves out. But yeah, house prices in this region, I, I think are forever changed as, as we're developing and more people are coming in with, I'm not gonna say outside money, but you know, connections with jobs that are not local to this community that they work right. here, but they're working for other communities and bringing that money in that is great for our community it helps support so much of our community but it also means you know there's more traffic house prices are higher the ability for someone to buy a home if they don't have one already it is a lot harder yeah and i think a lot
0: of this was caused by the you know by the emergency funding by congress the cares act and it put a lot of liquidity into people's hands that frankly didn't need it i mean yeah. they were people that were already well established they didn't need additional money but all that additional money we're talking trillions of dollars folks that went into people's pockets and they went, whoa, what am I going to do with this money? Yeah. Well, they went into assets like stocks and they also went into, you know, housing, real estate. Yeah. Now again, now we're at a flexion point because interest rates are rising. The Federal Reserve wants to slow inflationary pressures down. And there's a lot of factors that go into this, such as supply chain. We have the Russian conflict as well as China, the you know, the tariffs against them, but also COVID. I mean, you name it, you can, Mm -hmm. you can hit something with a stick that says this is probably a participant in the, in the issues that we're dealing with.
1: Yeah. And a good moment, I think for everyone to kind of, um, you know, check their ship, (laughs) you know, make sure that they're, the, the, they're, they're safe in how they're running their, their assets and consider their debt and consider their spending, you know, how, how fast they go through their cash and what their job prospects look like. Cause you know, we are still in a, a stable spot. Right. And the economy has been heating, but the, the economy may slow slightly. And so what does that look like? And, you know, for, for everyone, you know, it's a good moment to kind of consider um, where they're at, how much debt they're taking on and, and to keep themselves stable, you know, not you know, over leveraged, not leaning one I, way or the other.
0: And I think it's important to be encouraging here because recessions typically start because unemployment is rising and we're in a situation where unemployment is falling. Mm. There's still a large number of employers out there. In fact, everybody I've talked to is reaching out and trying to get new employees. Yeah. So it is rare that a recession will occur when unemployment is falling. So again, the underlying key aspects of the economy are still very good. Yeah. Uh, again, the Federal Reserve is, is has, a, has a twofold mandate. Uh, the one mandate was to bring unemployment down to the pre-pandemic levels, which pretty much they've done. Uh, but the other one is to keep inflation under control. And it kind of got ahead of them right now. Yeah.
1: yeah. And there's concern that they'll react too quickly. But at the same time, um, yeah, they're doing their best to get it right. Right. You know, to move us forward. So uh, we appreciate you guys listening. Um, if you have a topic you'd like us to discuss on a future episode, you can use the contact button on our website, which is retirementunlimited.com, or you can call our office. It's 951-684-7011. Till next
0: week, folks, may you grow in wisdom and knowledge. Thank you for listening.